This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! It's Rog. Oh, it's Wednesday, our day for guests here at Men in Blazers, and not just any guests but hand-picked human wonders who with their very existence lift the human soul by emanating an ocean of hope, giving our lives that most precious of gifts. Oh, a moment of purpose. So it is a genuine giddy delight to bring onto the pod a great friend to men in blazers, a great friend to thousands of football-loving Americans, the mother of dragons and the mother of Teddy Buckle, the inventor of Back in a Mo Better Blues. She's the face and voice of Premier League football in the United States, the first of her name, born to rule the Seven Kingdoms, breaker of wheels, winner of the Golden Blazer. It's Ms. Rebecca Lowe. Raj, it is just so lovely to hear your voice, to see your face and your beard. The whole thing is just lovely. Oh, Bex, it's genuinely to hear... That voice, your voice, and I know I'm not alone in this. A listener at MN Will Dude, one of countless GFOPs who's written in to say, if I don't hear Rebecca Lowe's voice soon, I may very well lose my mind. I don't care if she's just reading from a phone book or talking about Simon Mignolet. I just need to hear it. Oh, those are the days. Uh, trust me, if I could talk about Simon Mignolet right now, I would. I miss it. I just miss everybody. I miss football. I want to be back so bad, Rog. Oh, Bex, we're going to talk about football, the missing and the coming back in just one moment. But you've spent the last couple of years flying to Stamford, Connecticut from the West Coast on the regs. How are you, Rebecca Lowe, coping with isolation? No, Rog, when you have a nearly four-year-old, Teddy Buckle turns four on Friday, um, and you have him in the house, we're lucky enough to have a garden, but you really, there's no time for boredom. There's, there's no, I've not been bored once during this isolation. I am homeschooling Teddy through baking, gardening, swimming, playing games and colouring and painting and basically just doing all those wholesome things in life that we often don't do because we're rushing around at the speed of light. So, so far, do you know what, Rog? It's actually precious. It's actually precious. I'm watching him transition to a four-year-old boy in front of my eyes without anywhere for me to go, without anything for him to do. And he is in front of me growing up and I'm actually getting the chance to see that. That's an amazing amazing stage of life and you sound like you're turning him into a renaissance man i love a swimming baker (laughs) but i i find it so hard to be away from my family in england it's one of the the hardest parts of all this my family in liverpool yours in london and the fear that i carry for them is unshakable are you feeling the same slightly less concerned now because my parents have been isolating now for that amount of time so i'm hoping that they've done the right thing i found it you know, I found it hard. I've, I've, tried, I've sort of almost parented from 6,000 miles away. And that's a strange kind of like swapping a role situation. But um, I, I have found it hard. I've checked in every day. I think my dad has never heard from me so often. I'm every single day, dad, just checking in. Just check. Yeah, I'm still here, he says. Still just here, just watching TV, looking out the window, still here. I'm like, okay, just checking in again, dad. So it, I have found that hard. Um, I, the idea of not being able to get on a plane if I wanted to, if I needed to, that I find hard too. But 
What can you do, Rog? I'm not the only one in that situation. You are too. We're all in this together. And that's the, this is a great leveler in lots of ways. This is a great leveler. We are this massive team all in it together and we will pull through it. We will get there. Oh, there is something, just listening to you, it only serves to reinforce this feeling. There's something very British in the spirit that's required at times of struggle like this. I mean, a spirit of defiance against the odds, tenacity, persistence, the blitz spirit, Bex. I mean, I speak to my dad and he actually seems, in a very curious way, he actually seems happier and more upbeat in this time of struggle than he is in regular life. It's funny because I think that stiff upper lip stoicism, um, general blitz spirit has come out in a generation that didn't even live through the blitz. So my dad's generation, your dad's generation, my dad was born in 1949, so he didn't live through it. But of course, because they were the next generation to come and their parents did, just through learning and education, they've almost had it, I suppose, fed into their vein for so for so many years when they grew up and they grew up through the 50s it was so fresh so you're right they they almost embody that and my dad is very much he's quite stubborn he's probably gonna watch this and say no I'm not yes you are dad and and that is quite British I think as well but there is and I think the Queen summed it up brilliantly the other week there is very much this is the way that Brits react to things we just get on with life we soldier on it's not always the right thing but right now it is and I actually am comforted by that British attitude that I'm getting from family and friends and from social media as well from over there in the UK you know why as well Rog it's it's at times like this that we remember how small a country it is and we remember that they really are, everyone is on top of each other and there's no time difference. Everyone's watching the same TV shows. Everyone's watching the same news bulletins. Everyone is on the same page. And there are times I miss being on the same page as everybody else in my country. And I suppose it's moments like this. And I kind of love that. And that enables England to engender that blitz spirit maybe more than any other country. Oh, talking about Great Britons, serious question. How is life without the Robbies? I mean, there's a there's a human side to all of this. You've been around these people as co-workers regularly for like seven years and then suddenly not seeing them. What, how are you connecting? What do you miss? So we have a WhatsApp group. Um, I will tell you that the WhatsApp group with Kyle, Robbie, Robbie and myself is entitled Studio Numpties. That's what our <laughs> WhatsApp group is entitled. Robbie Musto named it that. Um, so we do connect and share different things. Um, it, you know what's the strangest thing is when you get to May every year after doing the Premier League, you kind of say to each other, you know what, we still love each other, but we need a couple of months away from each other. We spend a hell of a lot of time together. And then that, and that break is welcome and we love it. And although last <laughs> summer, the two Robbies and Mrs. Mrs. Robbies came to stay with me for a couple of days. So that was lovely. But on the whole, we take that break and then we love each other even more come August. But this was kind of unceremoniously ripped from us. We kind of never got to say goodbye. So it does feel very strange. I do feel a bit disconnected from them. I do miss them a lot. And I suppose I value them even more than I ever did. And certainly when we get back in that studio, Rog, I'm just going to be the most annoying, lovey-dovey person ever, like just cuddling everyone when I'm allowed to and just, you know, enjoying what we enjoyed, all the banter and all that. So I can't wait. So yeah, I do miss them, you know. Do you ever find yourself just wondering... What's happening to Carl Martino's hair? How is it mutating in his absence? Roger, what's happening to Carl Martino? I mean, his <laughs> stories, are, he's, he's developed a channel on Instagram without a shadow of a doubt. He looks like he's 
been arrested because he's in one of the, it's like a, one of those mug shots. He's in this like plain background white cube. I'm a bit concerned about him. He's dropped all the um, emojis that he was putting on. So I think he's got bored of that. I'm just a little bit concerned about, at the beginning, I quite liked quarantine Martino. I quite like that. N now I'm getting more concerned about quarantine Martino, to be honest. Oh, oh Quarantino Martino. <laughs> He'll be fine. Which yeah. palace player? do you believe is really benefiting most and coping best in quarantine and why? You've got to love Wilfred Zahar for what he's done. I mean, you know, the moment this broke, and by the way, as much as I adore the Gary Nevilles of this world and all the other footballers who are doing great things, Wilf was one of the first. For those who didn't catch the story, he immediately gave 50 properties that he owns rent-free to medical and emergency workers across London. Just a instant reaction, not one that was playing for the press. This was not like a belated, let's try and curry PR. It was a gut, instant, remarkable reaction for which he deserves just genuine first-mover love. If that does not earn Wilf a knighthood, I quite frankly don't know what will. So Wilf in my eyes forever. When I think about Palace players just reveling in quarantine, I do think of Benteke. Oh, the only man who's scoring goals at the same rate in isolation as he is in the regular season, which is which is some feat. This this is this is a time for trying new things, new hobbies, new masteries. What have you found comfort in in this period that you wouldn't have guessed at the beginning? One is we're lucky enough to live in the countryside. So it, a lot of things haven't closed down. So a lot of trails are open um, and they're pretty much empty. Um, and my husband and I have never been on a trail walk. And there I am downloading a trail app and finding <laughs> local trails and putting on my trainers. And off we go, Teddy on a bike. And, you know, we do the social distancing. If we come across anybody, everyone's really good at doing that. But we have taken ourselves to seven or eight trails in Northern California. Never in a minute, I'm telling you, Rog, that we would just never have done that. Not because, I suppose it, we just wouldn't have had time or we just, that would have been the last thing that we would have done. But actually getting out there because there was nowhere else to go and finding trails has been amazing. So that has been one thing. And the other thing, which I have to say was my husband's um, initiative, and it's not so much a new hobby, but it's a new way of looking at things. We have decided to stop saving things for best. And we have decided that actually the beautiful bottle of champagne that we were given four years ago and the, the lovely bottle of red wine that we've been saving, this is when we save it for. This, my friends, is the rainy day that we talk about right now. It's more than one. It's a rainy day section of time. So let's stop saving everything. Let's enjoy what we have because we ain't no, don't know if you've got it tomorrow, eh? Do it now save a life make memories while we can is that what i'm you know i'm after this pod i am gonna go into my port cellar and crack open those bottles i've been laying down vex do it rog why not why if you don't do it now when are you gonna do it talking about great life emotional experiences have you watched sunderland till i die oh have we? I mean, we, we the day it came out, we're like, it's out, it's out, it's out, because the first season was so good. And my husband was, Paul said to me, right, we'll watch them all tonight. No, we're not watching them all. We're going to watch one a night. And every night we get to the end of the episode, he'd say, let's just watch one more. No, no, because we don't know how long quarantine's going to last. We have to spread it out. We can't just give ourselves Sunderland until I die all one night. So we managed to make it last throughout the course of the six, I think six episodes. And just and it's funny watching it with a former manager and a former player because he, his sort of take on it is very different from my take on it. And he's seen all this before. I mean, the music at the beginning is one of the few things on Netflix I don't skip through the opening titles because the song at the top of that show just is 
it's perfect and the opening titles are perfect we loved it rog there is a line in the end of that show where a beautiful fan says why is it never us celebrating why is it never us and it hits home it hits home i mean it hits home hard be you everton fans palace fans arsenal cleveland browns georgia bulldogs buffalo bills buffalo anything we all share that pain it's the pain and the joy that binds us together which brings us to the football bex on a scale of zero to ten yeah how badly have you missed it 7,055. I can't, I mean, it just so badly. I miss it so badly. Everybody, I miss the alarm going off at three o'clock in the morning. I miss being in makeup at 4.30 and having Carl Martino sitting there eating his frosted mini weeks next to me, jabbering on. I miss getting on air and opening the show and thinking about what the storylines are. I miss sitting there watching these amazing players create us this constant storyline and soap opera. I miss, I miss the never ending narrative um, I miss seeing the fan. I just miss. I just miss the interaction. I miss. I miss caring about something, and I really care about it. I miss entering the ninety-fourth minute against Newcastle, being two 0 up, and then letting that lead slip away. I even miss that Bex. I even yeah. miss Mike Bloody Dean. I do. I even miss Mike Bloody Dean. Mike Dean in quarantine's got to find it hard. Mike Dean. No. Oh, that's hard for him. You know, we thought about this. Part of us thinks. He still turns up every Saturday at the Emirates and just runs around the field, pulling his faces, doing his theatrical gesticulations, giving out his cards. He's got no idea there's no fans or players there because he never, ever notices them. He thinks we only come to watch him. So I'm sure he's actually, like my dad, Mike Dean's probably having a pretty good quarantine. But when is the football going to come back in your mind? Because we know ultimately that decision resides with you. (laughs) <laughs> well, of course. Um, I, Rog, you are, we are starting to get murmurings of Junes and Julys. That's when the murmurings are beginning. And obviously, I don't know. And, and there are. But what I do wonder is that I think it might happen quite quickly. I think that the decision and the whole thing went into motion quite quickly. So I think as we think, oh, it's going to be ages away. I, I'm not sure it will be ages away. I, I get this sense that June, June might be a time where things could start. But to be honest, Rog, I, I don't. I don't know. It all it all depends, of course, on the numbers. I pray for June because June would be a time where we could get everything done and then seamlessly transition into the new season. But I really don't know. I mean, the, the, the Bundesliga is back in training, looking at May for a return behind closed doors. I mean, obviously, this has been a very sobering time where English football, which has always felt all powerful, has had to come to realise that, like all of us, it's actually at the mercy of a much greater power. And Britain is a week or two behind the United States in terms of being overwhelmed by the pandemic. But let's say it does come back. Clearly going to come back with no fans behind closed doors. The Premier League talking about bioprotected conditions. The Premier League with no fans, backs. Will that really feel like the Premier League? The thing is, you have to decide what's the best of a bad bunch of choices. And of course it won't. No, it won't. There are things that that you can try to do. There are initiatives. I mean, I actually saw um, uh, the Southampton player the other day do an interview saying, why don't we, if we do come back with no fans, why don't we put um, cameras in the dressing rooms? 
I mean, if, if we could maybe change the broadcasting and add a few bits that weren't there before, of course, they're not going to replace the atmosphere, but just give the fans something a bit different. Maybe mic up the referee, do yes. something to try and make the make it a bit different for, for just for that span of time. It's not going to be ideal if Liverpool win the title in an empty Anfield or wherever they do. Of course, it's not. We don't want that. But do we want to finish the season? Yes, we do. So um, this, is, this is hopefully a very small section of time in all of our lifetimes. And if we just have to, you know, have six weeks without fans in order to get the season done and start the new season where we can have fans, that's what we have to do, Rog. And it's not going to be fun, but it's going to be a lot more fun than not doing it. Part of me thinks, Bex, that they should pick up the slack by wearing up the players for sound. Be amazing if we can hear every single piece of yeah. trash talk, every managerial bellow, every time Jordan Pickford just screams, don't worry, lads, I got it, I got it. I mean, just just fruity language, be damned. It would be unbelievable. It would be so early in the morning as well. And then to have the cameras in the dressing rooms with audio. Can you imagine me throwing live to the dressing room at Stamford Bridge with Lampard throwing teacups around? It would be amazing. Oh, pants on, lads. Pants on. Never mind the fruity language, Vex. I'm not sure if America's quite ready for that. But I love it because it's making me believe this season is going to be completed. Liverpool are going to be champions got to ask you will their title forever have an asterisk on it not if they complete the season rog i mean there was there was talk wasn't there of oh they've won it you know they've won it the 25 points clearly got to give to it no no absolutely i couldn't be more against that because that will have the asterisks because even liverpool fans do not want to win a title on 29 games or 28 games they don't want to win that title they don't want to look back and go the other title after 30 years oh but we 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 well, they just gave it to us. I know we actually hadn't really won it. We kind of, and nobody wants that. So it won't have an asterisk as long as they complete the season. I, I think that as the years go by and the decades go by, it, it'll be remembered as the COVID-19 season, um, but it would still be remembered as Liverpool season for sure. So I don't think that's an issue. They've just got to finish it. My mind says, no, of course it won't have an asterisk. My heart says, damn straight it will. But when football does come back, because it is a when, not an if, close your eyes for a minute with me, Bex. Close your eyes. What do you imagine it will feel like when you're back at that anchor desk for the first time? You know, I was talking to Paul about this the other day. I think I'm not going to be able to sleep the night before. I think it'll feel like the first show we did seven years ago. I think I'll be a bag of emotions, a bag of nerves, a bag of adrenaline, a bag of excitement. And... I will feel the privilege of delivering this game to this country more than ever. Sort of dream about that, actually, Rog. I dream about that moment where I get the 10 in my ear, 10 seconds we're on air, and I hear the opening titles, and I thought about what I'm going to say. I have, and I'm going to think, and I, can I constantly think about that, actually. Um, I know it's not a big priority, but it's a priority for me to get that right when we come back. So I do think about that a lot, and... Um, I will do my best to try and reflect that moment. What will you say, Bex? I don't, I don't know, Roger. I think, I think that the opening of the show when we come back has to, is something that's going to take a lot of conference calls and a lot of discussion about how we start the first show and how we pay respect to all those men and women who have passed away and to all those who have risked their life to save people before we even get to the football. So there has to be something there, you know, and I, I'm not sure about the words yet. I don't like to write things too soon because 
the world two weeks ago is different from the world today. When I go back to work, the world will be different again. So it just depends on, I won't write that until the day before, but that's very present in my mind. I was at Yankee Stadium for the first baseball game back after 9-11. And when I heard that national anthem, I sobbed all the way through it. And all around me, fans were sobbing all the way Mm. through it. The emotion, the spectacle was so raw and overwhelming. And sport can do that because these are feelings that, that you describe that are all the more powerful because they are emotional and inarticulate. And sport can help those feelings surface, which is so healthy. And that first weekend of football, when it comes back, is going to be so devastatingly stirring for you, for our audience, to the footballers, you know, for the people of England. So many levels, Max. You're right, Rog. And I think, you know what, there'll be a second wave of that as well, because... When the fans come back, it's going to take on another dynamic because when they start football and probably in empty stadiums, it's going to be very difficult to pay tribute to the NHS and to the healthcare workers when there are no fans in the stadium to applaud or even to hold a silence. So it'll be very poignant and very atmospheric in a funny way, despite having no fans when the football first comes back. And then the second wave, when you're allowed fans in the stadium, where there will be, I'm sure, minute silences or minutes applause, there will be parades, there will be healthcare workers on the field. There'll be so much of that. I think we'll get a whole second wave of emotions when the fans are allowed back in. So this crisis is gonna live through football for a number of months to come. When you first hear that NBC Premier League morning music, How would you not just start sobbing? Martino's going to be in bits. He is, I know. I've got to tell you, I'm going to find it hard. Um, The NBC Sports Soccer Twitter handle put that out the other day. They just put the opening um, music out. And I was got halfway through watching it and I sort of had to stop watching it because it just made me sad. But also, it just made me incredibly emotional. I I don't, I I think it's a case of when you're in that kind of situation, you, I have a job to do and the much more important people are the people like you guys who are sitting on the sofa back home wanting somebody to arrive on their screen is not a blubbering mess. So my, my, um, my aim will be not to be a blubbering mess and to channel the emotion that I'll be feeling in my heart and in my soul and in my stomach and channel that into trying to broadcast to the best of my ability and reflect what I know all of you will be feeling having come out of that opening titles as well. I talked about this last week on the pod. It creeps up on you. I was washing the dishes last week and one of my kids put on the Champions League theme song and I just lost it. Snotting up, cleaning the dishes, to hear that music again, to have that back in our life. It will be, it will be emotionally, emotionally so glorious. I can taste it. One question, do you see this as an opportunity to springboard any positive changes in the Premier League? You know what I do? I actually do, Rog, and I may be being naive, but I wonder whether this won't have just shaken England and the human race, but England, if we're talking about the Premier League, so much to its core that there might just be a change of attitudes. Perhaps there won't be some of the abuse 
that we've seen, perhaps people will be quicker to get up and play the game. Perhaps there will be fewer problems with fans. Just perhaps, again, I might be being naive, but here we are in the middle of this crisis that's brought the UK and other countries to its knees. And it has affected every single last one. This isn't a, this isn't a terrorist attack. This isn't a, a, a different kind of disaster or a natural disaster that's happened in one city or one area where it doesn't really affect other people, so they don't feel it. Everyone's felt this. Everyone has felt either grief, fear, worry, or anger throughout this. And I just think people might have changed. And when you go to a ground, not only are they gonna take everything no longer for granted, which let's be honest, we've taken our entire lives for granted for the last 39 years. I've never ever thought I was particularly lucky to stop at a Starbucks and get a coffee. Now I will. Now actually everything I do, I'm damn lucky to be doing all of it. And I just think that perhaps the fans and the players and everybody might just have a slight more pause for thought, reflection for whether it's abuse or doing something silly, I don't know. I just, I, I hope and I cling to that thought. Oh, Bex, I love it. Unity, gratitude, perspective. I'm fascinated to see how it all impacts football fandom. I mean, that, that old Bill Shankly quote that football's not about life or death, it's more important than that. I mean, it's now been put in place, that quote. It really has. It's been put into context, shown for what it was. And in that vein... I mean, it is fascinating to think about a football fandom that takes nothing for granted. Football fandom that cuts down on kind of the hate, the parochialism. A more appreciative, generous fandom. I mean, maybe we're being naive and we shouldn't hold our breath. But if that comes out of it, it will be glorious. Talking about taking nothing for granted. Story about you right now, Bex, for a sec. One of the things we've started at Men in Blazers to aid the war effort here in the United States, at great expense, I should say, we now have a phone number on which we take questions from across the nation. Everyone knows it. 646-450-9472. And I've got to say, Bex, one of the first calls we received was this one. This is Heather from Raleigh, North Carolina. I am a West Ham supporter and, of course, North Carolina Courage. I wanted to call and just share a little story about our beloved Rebecca Lowe. I know you sing her praises a lot, but I just had an experience with her that warmed my heart and illustrated what an amazing human she is. The other day, she posted a lovely little message on her Instagram stories expressing that she was thinking about all the folks who are quarantining alone because a lot of folks are finding joy and a silver lining to this situation because they get to spend more time with their family. But there are so many folks who are who are stuck by themselves through this pretty scary and isolating time. And so my mom saw that and responded to her to tell her about me, her daughter, and how I was stuck three states away and she was so worried about me quarantining by myself and how much I would appreciate that that message that she had posted. And, of course, I saw her story as well and also gave her a response. Well, Rebecca, seeing that both my mom and I had responded to this message that really meant a lot to us, went above and beyond. She chatted with my mom for a little bit. She posted on her story a personal message to me, sending me love and hope um, and, and strength while I spend this time by myself during quarantine. She then sent me messages 
that were just so sweet and kind. She told me I could reach out to her whenever I needed a little virtual hug via Instagram. She sent love to my cat, Maui, from her cat, Buttons. And when she found out that I had planned to attend the Fan Fest in Philadelphia that was unfortunately postponed until further notice, she expressed that she wanted me to reach out to her whenever that event is rescheduled so that I can meet her in person and get a real hug. It just meant so much to me at a time when I am by myself and I am feeling lonely. I just hope that everybody can see the kindness and and love that she gives to everyone through this experience and, and kind of take a page out of her book and, and keep spreading love and, and hope. And I appreciate you for doing that as well and all the extra coverage that you're giving to us through the pod and the Raven. I love it so much, and it helps me feel connected to not only the game of football that I love so much, but also the wonderful communities that um, I feel a part of because of the sport. Oh, Bex. Bex. That story, when I heard it, I've got to tell you, it gave me so much strength. Our listeners just, I mean, you're an unbeatable human being. You are bringing the joy, Bex. Oh, Rog, that's, well, that is so lovely of Heather to make that call. I'm lucky enough to be in a position where people send me messages on Instagram. And it's funny because social media, I was never a fan of. There's something about Instagram, you know, it's actually quite a nice place to be. And and I certainly have never had any abuse or anything bad on Instagram. All I've had is people being lovely or people needing something, needing a bit of help or an ear or a bit of advice. And luckily enough, I try to help these people anyway, but right now when I have a little bit more time, I can do that even more. And I, you know, and I do think this is a time, Rog, for pausing and reflecting and being so grateful for everything you have. And I'm here with my son and my husband who I love more than the world. And there are people out there who aren't and don't have that. And I can't imagine what that must feel like to be by yourself far away from the people you love. Um, so God, it's just a tiny thing that I can do. Um, and I'm just glad it, it, it helped her and brightened her day. But there is something about our football community that I think is special. As Heather says here, the American football community is so full of kindness and love. It, it's more than a fan base. I mean, it's a community, a Premier League community filled with a shared sense of joy that you embody. You do. You really, really do. The lock in line that we should be careful of each other. We should be kind while there is still time. We talk about that a lot on our show, but that's very much at the heart of this Premier League community. You're absolutely right, Rog. And I think that it's special because I don't think there's many communities quite like this around the world. I'll give you one very quick story. When I was at the Fan Fest in Austin, there was a a lady called Jessica who was up on the stage with me to take part in a game. Little did she know that at the end of this game, we were going to send her to Arsenal to see her first ever Arsenal game. And she's actually a chaplain at a paediatric cancer hospital. And so in her day job, she does you know, the Lord's work. And she burst into tears and she went to London and we've kept in touch over Instagram. And I saw on Instagram just yesterday that a another Arsenal fan, I think it was, somewhere else in the country who she doesn't know, has made her an Arsenal mask so that when she goes to be her be a chaplain at a children's cancer hospital, she's wearing a Gunners Arsenal mask made by a woman she's never met but has got to know through social media, through you guys, through us and through the Premier League. And that is just an example of this community that we're all so blessed to be a part of and who are all incredibly supportive of each other. And I 
I bloody love it, Rog. I gotta say, I hope it's the Obama Yang of Mars. And, (laughs) you know, you love it, but you are such a core heartbeat to the whole thing. You wrote something beautiful to me that really captures this spirit. And it's amazing. You wrote, I guess, I just want to let listeners know how important everything will be once the world returns to normal. How I'm looking forward to a newfound appreciation of every normally mundane thing. How appreciative we'll be of each other and the physical touch and also how we may continue the habits we form for life. You wrote, let there be good to come out of this. I was sobbing when I read this. There will be good. Good always wins. Oh, it, it does, Rog. And I, and I refuse to be, to be negative in any way because I do, in my deepest soul, believe that good will come out of this. Of course, not for everybody, but for the greater good. Something good, small good things. I actually think you can see good in every part um of the world after this we will find better times we will find better people on the other side um and we will all you know what we're all going to come together like never before and that is maybe what we needed and everton are gonna win the league that is a beautiful (laughs) note to end on bex we've actually been ending these quarantine pods with a new tradition at men in blazers which is asking our guests to requote speeches, texts, poems that they draw strength from, you know, for a renewed sense of optimism they, they receive when they engage with them. Ray Hudson, oh, Ray, chose fear of fear itself, FDR's speech. The great John Green chose Emily Dickinson, hope is a thing with feathers. Bex, what's yours? Her Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth II, when she spoke to the nation in a rare non-Christmas Day speech last weekend about COVID-19. And this, all of it got me. We watched it back to back four times over dinner, Paul and I, and he was choked up. I was bawling Um, and I took a lot out of it. The section I really liked was this section. Together we are tackling this disease. And I want to reassure you that if we remain united and resolute, then we will overcome it. I hope in the years to come, everyone will be able to take pride in how they responded to this challenge. And those who come after us will say the Britons of this generation were as strong as any, that the attributes of self-discipline, of quiet, good-humoured resolve, and of fellow feeling still characterise this country. The pride in who we are is not a part of our past. It defines our present and our future. Oh, Bex, got to say, you are my queen. (laughs) A queen queen I can believe in. When I think of you, I think of the Harper Lee quote. She was powerful, not because she wasn't scared, but because she went on so strongly despite the fear. That that sense of courage in the face of fear, in the face of struggle, bringing tenacity. God love you. God bless from all of us, may the day you are back on our televisions be soon. To you, to yours, to Paul, to Teddy, to strength, health, love and courage. Love you, Raj. Thank you so much. Love you, Bex.